You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. I'm sorry if I haven't met you yet, um, but it's always fun to meet new people, so make sure I, I do meet you when, when this is done. Um, I was asked, uh, well, first of all, I just want to, I, I want to thank this body. I want to thank this family. Um, we came, oh, are you guys waiting for something? You guys want to take offering, didn't you? Let's do that with joy. Father God, thank you for everything that you've given to us. <laughs> and we give back to you uh, with great joy, Lord. And if we don't give it with joy, God, let, give us the joy to give it. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'll let these guys do their jobs so they don't have to stand on, the whole time I'm talking. Um. I just have to tell you that a, a year ago, it was just a year this month that we came uh, to be a part of Praise Community. And um, in that time, we have been welcomed and we have been loved on and we have been supported in some of the toughest times that Bruce and I have ever been through. Ooh, this is kind of wild. I like this sound, but I don't think it's very nice for you to listen to. <laughs> we'll get it right here in just a second. We're all used to a much lower register on this <clears throat> microphone, so that's probably why. Is that more pleasant? Is that good for you guys? All right. Um, and I just have to say, you know, you're a great family to belong to. And we're just grateful. I mean, you, you guys took days out to pray for us when Bruce was um, in the hospital and, um, and beyond. And people brought us food. Um, I'm going to talk about that in, in, in this message. God told me. He's shown me. That's really, really really important, um, and it has been an adventure to be with you. I know that this body, this family has been through a lot, but that's what keeps us together sometimes, you know, it shakes you up and you kind of realize who you've got by your side, and so I just wanted to tell you thank you, and um, we pray for Janie and Jeff as they take some well-deserved time to be together as a family and enjoy each other and God's, you know, goodness to them. Um, so Jeff, I guess, while I was in COVID land, um, started talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, I missed that one. And, um, and then Janie spoke a couple of weeks, three weeks ago maybe, about love. And so last week, I knew I was going to be speaking, and I thought, I, God, I thought I was speaking on joy. But you got, you know, Jeff was going to speak about joy. Well, he never got to that part <laughs> of his message last week. So I asked him, is, is it going to be okay if I do joy? And he said, absolutely. So... That's what you get today is what God's been downloading to me about joy. And some of you have been on this journey with me. Am I going to have to take my earrings off? I will do that. Um, so that's what I'm going to talk about. Now, the difference between, I, I just wanted to talk about, Jeff kind of got into some of the gifts of the Spirit um, last week, and, and he's been talking about that a lot, and there's a difference between a gift and a fruit because we, we tend to think of them the same because we want them, right? We want fruit coming out of our lives and we want the gifts, but the gifts are from God to us. Um, well, actually, there's, there's three different lists of gifts, aren't there? 
<laughs> and, and, and one of them is in, I'm just going to give you these, these um, don't look them up right now because they will catch your attention and take you right away. But um, in Romans 12, there's a list of the gifts like, um, oh, the gifts of administration and the gifts of helps and the gifts of, you know, all those kinds of things. Like what you do, what you'd find out in a gifts inventory or a personality uh, inventory, right? Those are the father's gifts to his children. And you know what? We all have some of those. We all have them. He gave them to us before creation. And they get activated in practice and all that kind of stuff. Then, they, then there's another list of gifts in Ephesians 4. And those are the ones that Jesus gives his church. Right? And those are actually people. They're pastors and teachers and, you know, and, and, and apostles and prophets and, and the five-fold ministry, right? Not all of us are in that, okay? Those are gifts to the church that Jesus gives it's, it's for his bride, right? And then the other one, the other list is um, in 1 Corinthians 12. And those are the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. Oh, we love those. And all of his children that are called to his name can ask for those. It says eagerly seek some of them, right? And so, but those are all things that God, the triune God, gives his people. They cannot be taken away from us. God doesn't take them back. Gives you the gift of tongues. You have the gift of tongues. Our, our, friend, uh, our friend Dave says, yeah, I, uh, after I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I backslid. I went back to drinking, and I got drunk one time, and I thought, I'm going to see if I can speak in tongues. And you know what? He could. God hadn't taken those away from him. So we have to remember the gifts, the anointings like those things are irrevocable. Don't look at those to find out a person's character. If you can trust them. If you, if they, if you know that they know. You, you don't have to look at those giftings to determine your value either. Those are given because God gives them. Okay, so what do you look at? How do you know how you're doing? What, have you ever heard of always looking for the fruit? You know, we need to be fruit inspectors, not necessarily just of each other. I mean, in some, you know, discerning things, you have to look at the fruit of other people. But looking at your fruit, right, that helps you determine how am I really doing? Am I becoming like Jesus. Because you look at those fruits and man, Jesus had those fruit. The, the characteristics of that fruit all the time. So this is a different story. The fruit comes out of Galatians, right? The, the list here. And I, I'm sorry, I'm going to jump around. And I'm going to use the Passion Translation just because it really captures my heart. You might not recognize the wording it's the same stuff, okay? But the fruit produced by the Spirit, this is Galatians 5, what, 22 and 23. The fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith, that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit, which is self-control or lordship over your own soul. Now, reading that and looking at my life right now, I know I'm lacking. I, I, I know there's many things in there, and, and I let... I sat with that for a long time, preparing for this and thinking, God, I, I'm lacking in those things. What do I do? This isn't, this, these aren't 
these aren't things I can do on my own, in my flesh. I am totally incapable of this, just like the gifts. And he said, but this is different. This is love. This is me. That's what he told me. It's not about me loving you like I'm a tree and I'm just going to really, have you ever seen a tree like working to produce fruit? Doesn't happen. What does a tree do? Well, it sinks its roots down into the soil. It reaches up for the sun and the rain, right? And it grows. And it just, it stays in one place. Let me read you something. I mean, that, you know, that sounds really poetic. But you know what? I think God's a poet. And we just don't know it. Okay, um, John 15, 5, I, I am, this is Jesus talking, I am the sprouting vine, and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you, but when you live separated from me, you are powerless. That's my story, guys. If a person is separated from me, he's discarded like branches gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. That's what I want to do. I want to look like Jesus. He only did what the Father was doing, right? I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love and just as I have kept my Father's commands, for I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. My purpose for telling you these things, here's why Jesus told us, is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. He wants us to have joy, guys. He wants us to be connected to him. Connected to the Father. That's why Jesus came, so we could have access to the Father. That's why he sent his Holy Spirit to us. So we'd have a way of connecting. Now, somebody once wrote that the reason that, I can't remember who I heard, sorry, God will bless them and give them gifts <laughs> and give them crowns for having said this, and I heard it. But the two words that we, they had, you know, Paul had to talk to people either in um, Aramaic or Greek, because most of them didn't know Hebrew, right? They had this word, agape. You've all heard that word to mean love, right? And in, in this passage about fruit in Galatians, Paul was having to explain, because he'd say agape, and they go, oh, yeah, we know what agape is. And he's like, no, no. It's like when we say love, we don't know what that really means. Because our words are, mean so many different things. So he was there trying to tell you, no, 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 it, it's like this. So love was kind of the overarching 
name of the fruit of the Spirit, but he, he wanted to tell us. It's like in, when he wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 13 about that list of what love is because they didn't get it. They didn't know what love was. Love was something different to them. Agape meant something different. So he went through and he really broke it down for him. And the first characteristic that he came up with was joy. And that's what the difference is between agape and the word that's actually in Hebrew, chesed. H-E-S-S-E-D, I think is how it's spelled. Chesed. Chesed. Whoa. I can't, I can't use those consonants without making you hurt your ears. But um, chesed is a lot of times translated loving kindness, which, is, which really is kind of lame. To, in my opinion. And what I understand has said to be is this overwhelming, incredibly jealous love, like a mama bear has for her cubs. You know, you mess with my cub. I know they might be in the wrong place at the wrong time, but hey, that's my cub, and I'm coming after you if you mess with them. That's the, that's chesed, that's the love. That's what God wants to fill us with for the people of this world that he's longing to have part of his kingdom. Some people ask about, you know, we just talked about the gifts and the fruit. I'm so, jumping around a little bit, but the it's like we know what the gifts are good for. We know what they're good for, right? They're good for building up the church, right? That's why we give the gifts, is to build up the body of Christ and to serve the bride. But what are the fruit for? What's the fruit for? Well, we like to eat fruit. It seems pleasant to us, all that stuff. But I, a man called um, Graham Cook says, you know, the fruit is our greatest weapon against the enemy. You, you see, in, in God's kingdom, everything seems upside down. <laughs> it's all crazy upside down. God uses the really, really good stuff to overwhelm evil. The really, really good stuff is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's what God in the flesh, Jesus, looked like, acted like, lived, smelled like. And that weapon of joy is very powerful against the enemy. You know, I was reading um, somewhere on the internet, obviously, that there was a study, and I couldn't find it, I couldn't find it, but they did studies about laughter. You know, one of the hallmarks of joy, right, is giggling laughter. And how little children, like six years old or so, somebody might be able to correct me on this because I don't remember the exact numbers, but about six years old, they laugh hundreds of times a day, like 400 times a day. They laugh. You know how much adults laugh? Less than 20 times a day. You suppose that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, come to me like little children? I don't know, but that's very intriguing to me. It also has been known that, you know, if you laugh, laughing for two minutes is like heart healing. Joy puts evil, puts sickness, puts all kinds of stuff out of our lives. It pushes them back. It, it builds us up. Joy is something we got to have if we're going to come up against supernatural things. Why, why can't even get through, you know, breakfast without some joy? As a matter of fact, somebody was saying the, um, uh, it, um, 
we talk about, well, yeah, when I get to this place, I, it'll, I'll be so grateful. I'll be so joyful. When I get through this battle, when I get through this week, when I get through this trial, and, but you know what? Nothing is more powerful in the middle of a trial, in the middle of a storm, than joy. You need joy in the middle of the thing, yeah? You're going to have it when you get done. It's no sacrifice. It's no big deal to be happy when you're opening all the Christmas presents. It's when you are in the middle of the battle that you need the joy. How do we get it? You can't work to get it, right? Trees don't. I'm going to make an apple, you know? They work at being connected. I want, I want you to take a look at, at uh, well, I'm gonna, t I'm gonna read it to you so you don't have to look at it, but it's in Nehemiah, back in the Old Testament. Back when they had forgotten all about God, his law was gone, they'd been exiled, they'd been traipsed around the countryside, enslaved, forgot about the law. All of a sudden they find it. They've got these people. They set up a place like this. I want you to take a look. Sometime if you're intrigued about why we do stuff at church the way we do it, look at Nehemiah 8. It's incredible. I was shocked. I love the Bible. That's, that, it just keeps shocking me. But anyway, um, so uh, verses 4 through 8 talks about the template that we use for our services, for our worship services here. But then um, in verse 10, so the, so here's, here's the backstory. They, they, they've forgotten everything. They've gotten the law. They've set up this, this system, this, this thing they're going to do. Uh, they're going to read the law, okay? And um, they started reading the law to the people and explaining it to them. And the people started weeping because they saw that they left. And they were, and that might be you, you know, when you look at that list of gifts going, or list of fruit going, I, 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 I don't know that I have those, and I don't know how to get them. So then, uh, verse 9, Nehemiah the governor and Ezra the priest and the scribe and the Levites who were instructing the people uh, and said to them all, this day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. And, spend some of, uh, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve. And this is the famous verse that everybody knows. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites calmed all the people down and they said, be still for it's a sacred day. Do not grieve. And then all the people went away to eat and drink and send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy. Great joy. Because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. Now that word or that phrase to, that had been made known to them is the word yada. And I'm glad all the kids left. Because that means intimacy. It's the same word, you know, we joke about the, oh, I know that person. I know that person biblically, right? That's the word. Intimate. It says here that God, the word, had been made known. They had a connection with God. And they were connecting to each other, how? With food and celebration. They were nourishing each other. They were giving each other sustenance, nourishment. Wow. And 
they knew God was there, tangibly had an understanding of the word. It wasn't that they, oh, I get it now. Mara explained it. No. An encounter of a biblical nature, yada, with the living God. And that's what gave them joy. That's what gives them fruit. That's what let them understand the love of God. It goes down into those places that nothing else can reach. You know, when you look, well, I'm getting, yeah, we'll go there. When you're sitting with someone you care about, like you're doing now, you're sitting next to each other looking in the same direction. And that's nice, right? <laughs> you got somebody here and you, you know, and you feel together and you feel good. Turn and look at that person in the eyes and tell me if the feeling doesn't change. If there's not more of a bond made face to face. Neuroscientists have discovered what Jesus preached, what Paul preached, what God was teaching the Israelites all along. That face to face, like when he spoke to Moses, mouth to mouth, eye to eye, that makes connection and that transforms us. That makes us into Christians, little Christs, little Jesuses. Isn't that what we're here for? That's what I'm here for. So the food, the celebration, reconnected, reacquainted Israel with their God, started the process of reconciliation of his people to himself. They experienced him in all the senses, foods, smells. They touched, they saw, they danced, they moved. Now, it, it just astounds me that neuroscientists finally catch up with the Bible. <laughs> if you think about this, um, when you have a baby, and we have Jessup and Esther to thank for our real life little, you know, um, uh, what do they call them? The, just the stories, just the illustration, right? That that little baby, when they feed him, when they feed Jonathan, the baby is this far away. Why? This is the first face, you see. When someone feeds you, there is connection. I used to give my husband such a hard time. He's always talking about food. He's <laughs> always talking about what my kids, I would come home from work, because I worked at Sylvan, and, and he, you know, over lunch, he would feed the kids. He'd have them, you know, for the afternoon, and I'd come back, and he said, well, Lydia ate this, and Amelia ate that, and Elizabeth ate this and this, and I'm a little worried about Amelia, because she wouldn't eat the broccoli. You know, I'm like, Okay, they ate those things. I, but it was very much ingrained in him, in his family, that life kind of revolved around the table, the kitchen, right? It bonds us as a family. We are connected with the one who feeds us. Guys, who's feeding us? When, when a bride and groom celebrate their wedding day, they feed each other. Yeah. They give each other a cup to drink. It's to make the bonds. And that's a picture of what God is doing with us every day. I can't read. So this has said that Paul was trying to 
explain to these Galatians is relational. And the joy is the delight in the eyes of the Father. See, the joy of the Lord, it's God's joy. It's God's delight when we come back and look him in the face. That's joy. Again, with the neuroscientists, they've been studying um, that a child needs a place of joy to stand on. I mean, when we, when we have children, we, we nourish them, right? A mother nurses the baby or the father feeds the baby. We sit face to face when we feed them, right? We're, we're just making this thing. And then we turn away and the baby gets, oh, where'd they go? You know, and you come back and, they, and it, it's, it's helping them build this, this mound of joy, this, this, I sound like a candy bar, but... It, the, the, this, this mountain, this big enlarged place to stand on. And, and, you know, sure, you might get knocked off and become sad, or you get knocked off and you get angry, or you get knocked off. But as a child, if you, if you have a family that helps you learn to come back up and stand on that mountain, on that place of peace and joy... Then as they grow older, when stuff happens, they can come back to that place of joy. That's a healthy whole family. But you know what? You're all born to Adam's family. Yeah, you know, the, you know. (laughs) That family. We all were. We all were. And so God is doing this thing in us. That's why we come here. We don't come here to show everybody how good we're doing. We come here to get connected again, to be reminded you belong in the family. You're part of the kingdom. Here, have a donut. See, our willpower will not produce fruit. But there is something we can do. Okay, there are many things we can do. Coming here, I mean, we tell this to people, but they get the wrong idea. And we get the wrong idea. It's, come here, read your Bible. Oh my gosh, I love this thing. I got some, I got, I have like 15 other scriptures that maybe I'll get to. But it's, it shows you how much, it's that menu, right, that Christopher talked about, where we can look and go, oh, oh, that's good. And God says, it's yours. That's good. Oh, that's yours too. Eat that. That's yours. Oh, eat that. Okay. Okay. And, and we become closer to him. There are, there are ways of seeing and hearing God. And we call them disciplines, which is kind of, I don't know. It's not very appealing, right? But my kids are musicians, and when they started learning, they had to have discipline to do things that didn't sound very good. Or even when they got them down well, they didn't, they're scales. Right? You should hear Amelia warm up. She sings like a bird, but warm-ups, oh, those are something else. The practicing of the presence of God, taking our thoughts captive, giving ourselves a little workout in how to think. Those are disciplines. And we haven't, we don't talk very much about them. I mean, maybe they do in some of the, you know, other denominations about, you know, confession. Confession is a discipline. 
It's something we do to, you know, rid ourselves of things that we don't need to carry around anymore. And if somebody else hears them, then somebody can speak forgiveness from God over them and we're set free from them, right? Don't belittle that. That's scriptural. But it doesn't look like fruit, okay? But don't get weary in doing the things that discipline you. And if you, this is a shameless plug. I've been studying to be a spiritual director. And um, spiritual directors don't do any directing. (sighs) They just point and listen to God with someone, okay? If you're interested in knowing what that's about, you know, let me know. But we do that for one another. We are kind and compassionate listeners and kind and compassionate uh, listeners to God so that we can have a connection with God. Most of us get kind of swept up into doing stuff, you know? Sign up to be a helper here. Sign up to be a leader there. Sign up. And those are necessary things. I don't want to put those things down. But guys, if you don't have in your life moments every day where you make a connection with God, you won't have you won't be transformed you you're going to be so exhausted trying to be good loving being joyful having peace i mean how do you work at getting peace jesus said um, strive therefore was it jesus or paul strive therefore to enter into that rest i think it was paul he was pretty good i don't remember i don't i know it's in there somewhere Striving to enter into the rest is that, is that I have to put everything else away and I have to look at that face. I gotta look at that face. And some of you say to me, I can't hear him, I can't feel him, I can't see him, Mara. That's what we're all here for, to help each other to look each other in the face and listen to the story and speak what Jesus says about that until you can hear for yourself, until you're kind of acclimated to what the kingdom sounds like. Now, I I, I thought about talking just totally about spiritual disciplines, like teaching you something. God said, Mara, uh, you are a teacher, but I don't want you to teach. I want you to contage people with that desire to be close to me, the desire to look me in the eye, the desire to let them experience me feeding them and have them feel like They want to do that for everybody else. There's some people in here who love to feed us. And sometimes we think of that as the lowest thing on the totem pole in the church. But you know what? Every single church building in this town has a fellowship hall. And you know what that means? Food. (laughs) I think that maybe having dinner together is a spiritual discipline. Prayer, of course, is a spiritual discipline. But when we're returning thanks, we're recognizing God's feeding us with his hand. When we're fasting, we realize God is keeping me alive with his own hand. A very wise theologian, Dallas Willard, says um, preparations or spiritual disciplines are preparations for encountering God. And goodness is not found 
in preparations, like doing the scales on the piano, and they're not really entertaining. They're just getting me ready, but you know what? Then I can play, right? So goodness is not found in the preparations, but in the encounter that they help facilitate. So when somebody tells you, hey, maybe you should try this discipline, try the discipline. If you don't encounter God in it after about a week, don't do it anymore. Find a different discipline. Because the thing is not the discipline. The thing is God. Now, when Bruce and I had the Vineyard Church, we would, try, we would plan our um, services so that we knew that anybody coming in would have at least three chances to encounter God in some way, in, through us, okay? So we had worship, just like this, right? And, it, and, and, and honestly, guys, it's a miracle this happens every week. <laughs> but it happens every week God shows up when we worship. The word which is what I'm doing right now, showing you where God has revealed himself to me in the word. And then we used to call it the wow because we prayed every day, every week, we would have ministry, right? And God said, Mara, I think you missed one. Every week that you're together, you have the opportunity and you do it here. I told you guys you were awesome. We have fellowship. We feed each other. We eat together and we recognize whose we are and who's sustaining us. The worship, the word, the wow. And the other one doesn't end in, or begin with a W, but it's food. <laughs> Back in, the, in Nehemiah 8, the people were crying and the leaders said, don't cry. Don't mourn. And they weren't punishing. They weren't, stop that. You're, they were saying, they were realizing and paying attention to the inner workings of those people. They were broken. And those leaders said, here's what I want you to do. In the middle of this pain, in the middle of this storm, the realization of what a worm you are, Go celebrate because the God of the universe wants to be with you. The God of the universe wants to love on you and nourish you and treasure you. That's what we're here to do. Um, I, I know that we have set up um, ways that you know, to ensure that everybody gets what they need when they come to church, right? We have people greeting back there. We make sure that we welcome everybody from the podium and we have little gifties to give to people, right? But if you've been here a couple times, you know, that doesn't, you know, we recognize, oh yeah, look at there, look at there. I would encourage you, if you want joy <laughs> and to practice like being like Jesus, let's greet each other. You know, Paul talks about greeting each other with a holy kiss. Well, COVID kind of got that right out, right? But let's greet each other. Let's look each other in the eyes. People you don't know, introduce yourself. They're part of the family. God wants them to have joy as well. And if you don't have it to give away, I suggest you find somebody that will help you see who's feeding you, who's giving you this connected, how to get connected with God because that will transform you. Struggling with an addiction, you need connecting with God. Struggling with a bad habit, you need a connection with God. I don't need to tell you. You probably know better than I do what your struggles are. 
I'm not here to share with you. You know, people who have a prophetic gift, they're not here to point fingers at people and say, oh, you have a secret sin. No, no, you know the sin that you have. God has, you get close to God and wow, that will become very apparent to you and you'll want to cry. Now, I, I, know, I know that we don't all feel connected. But that's what we want to do today, every day that we come together. Anytime you see one of your brothers and sisters on the street, you want to connect and remind them you are God's favorite. Well, I'm God's favorite, but I'm going to tell you that you're God's favorite. Because you know what? You are to him. I mean, I don't know how he does that. That's kind of part of being God, I guess. He can do that. I can't. But you, when you are in his presence, you are his favorite. You are his favorite. I've been spending years now spending time just trying to listen having people help me listen to what's going on inside of my inner workings. I love to learn things. I don't pay much attention to my emotions because I've ignored them most of my life because I didn't think they were helpful in being good. But you know what? They're the things that tell me what I believe about God. And sometimes I have not believed that he could overlook or forgive or give me grace or be happy with me. But he says, come here. I love you. I mean, I I, I was doing some stuff in this for three, four, four weeks. It was we're looking at our sin. It was spiritual discipline, I'm going to tell you. I'm like, I'm sick of sin week. Can we go on to something else? You know, I really like this stuff when it wasn't sin week. So sin week was, but every time I'd bring this to him, he'd say, oh, come here. Come here. I love you. Wow. And you know the you know the saying, this, I, I don't know if I've ever I've told anybody outside of my spiritual director this, but you know what went through my head is, is to, to, to him that is given much, much is required. That was what ran through my head, you know, after you don't do enough and you, you know, you're not good enough and all those things. But, but you know, my religious tape was to... To them that much is, uh, who much is given, much is required. And God said, yeah, but I also said. It was really weird. It was like, yeah, but I also said. Heard him say that in my brain. She who is forgiven much loves much. Well, guys, I've been forgiven so many things. So have you. So I'm just going to say. I mean, I don't even know how long I'm supposed to talk, but I think this is the end. <laughs> I'm, I think I'm landing the plane. <laughs> we have been given, forgiven so much. And we can love much. We can look him in the eye because he has forgiven us. And that's what we can extend to everybody else. Everybody else. Because you get in that kind of love, presence, and poof, everything's gone. Everything changes. Everything looks different on the other side of that. So if you're here and you want a greater connection, find somebody. Sit with them face to face for a second and let them tell you how much God loves you. Yeah. Are we coming back up here, worship team? I forgot I was supposed to tell you that. You can pray for a while. Okay. (laughs) 
So, Father, I am so grateful for your word, for your modeling to us how to come to you. God, we are so grateful that this great menu of love and nourishment is for us. And God, I'm, I'm so glad that we don't even have to be really good at reading or good at understanding because this isn't an understanding like you take a test on. Lord God, it's, a, it's, a, it's an understanding of, I've been there, I've seen that face, I know that hand, I know that touch. Thank you, Lord God, that this is, this is a fruit of faithfulness. Show us how to do that. Jesus, you did it so well. We want to become like you. We want to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. And we want to be patient. And we want to be kind and have control of our own soul, Lord. Help us to pay attention to what our, 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 our emotions are telling us. But give us the strength to follow you in the spirit and not let our emotions lead us. They're really good servants, bad leaders. Thank you, Lord. And would you put your hand on these precious ones and let them know your love, your nourishment. Let them see your eyes. Let them see the delight that you have in your eyes for them because that's their strength. That's your joy. That's their strength. In Jesus' name, amen. And we're gonna worship and we're gonna make this place a place where you can come if you're looking for someone who would speak God's love and encouragement into your heart, which you, you come up here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we have communion as well. It's available um, up on each side of the oh, communion. Yeah, um, he's going to feed you today, mm-hmm. and it's not just you know oh the best potato salad you ever had. It's his body. It's his blood. He gave up his entire life to feed us good things. So please enjoy. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.